You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin by calling in the helping spirits. So I reach out and call out. To your ancestors and to mine, to all of those people who lived well and died well and bring all that is good and true and beautiful through our ancestral lines to us, they carry with them the legacy that we can draw on, we the living can draw on and learn from those who have gone before us. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today to gather around and to help us, the living, to meet the challenges of our own time in a way that allows for innovation that doesn't create three more problems down the road, in a way that allows for the creativity that doesn't draw on and cause the death of the other half of life. We ask these ancestors to help us to learn from their mistakes and to go forward in a way using our minds and our hearts and our ability to work together to create things that have not yet existed but are exactly the medicine that our world needs. So we ask the ancestors to help us, the living, to stand up in our time and do what we have come here to do for those who are coming. And I reach out through the human ancestors to those ancestors who stood here before us, who lived well and died well in their own ways, to the plants and the animals and the fish, the birds, the bugs, all that makes life happen so that there is an abundance here that we draw on every day to live. And I call out to these ancestors, the spirits of the land and the great spirits of the land, to help us, the humans, understand how to connect in a better way in better relationship to our elemental ancestors, that we can learn from all this spirit help how to be better humans. And so with all of these ancestors gathering around us here today, let us draw our energy from wherever it might be at this moment into our heads and from our heads to our hearts, from our hearts down to our bellies and from our bellies. Let us take a moment and reach to the earth and to give thanks to the earth the planet for this place that we call home and for the wonderful beauty and diversity and greatness of this magnificent planet. We give such gratitude to the earth for the journey that we have each walked to get to this moment, for all that is in this moment and all that will be. And we give thanks to the earth for the generosity in her dreaming that allows us to change, to heal, to grow, and to move on in new ways and to do this at any time as long as we are still breathing. So we give thanks to the earth for the generosity in this dream and great, great gratitude for giving us a place that we could be inspired into life by that great miracle of life itself. 
And so with enormous gratitude in our hearts for all that we gain from life here on earth, we reach our energy down through all the layers of the earth, spreading our gratitude as we go until we reach the very center of the earth. And there in the very center, let us take a moment and expand our senses out to connect with the stillness, the silence, the darkness, the peace, with that energy that is nothing yet but has the potential for all things. We tune into this energy and then draw it up, drawing it up through all the layers of the earth just as a crystal clear spring of fresh water rises up. We draw this energy up into our bodies, into our lives, into these proceedings, drawing this energy up. And we ask first that we use this earth energy to ground ourselves, to understand how to choose to be grounded so that we can know in life where we stand and what we stand for, what we are living for, what we are here to do. And as we stand up into ourselves and our reason for being here, let us use this energy to create a sense of hearth and a sense of home, a sense of belonging. And to do so in a way that allows us to open our doors to others, to set a place at a table for those who feel and believe otherwise. And in this way to grow better, to grow stronger, to grow ever more open to all the possibilities of human life on this planet. And so we call on the energy of the earth to help us to actually understand life on this planet as this great interconnected web of life and to work on understanding our connection within ourselves, our connection with others, our right connection with the environment and the interconnection and the interdependence and ultimately understanding, even though it defies the logic of our mind, the true interconnectedness of all living things and this great web of life. And if we are lucky in this day, let us have a moment of feeling that place in that great web of life and to take our right relationship with ourselves from this moment and then right relationship with others, the environment and the spirit world. So we give great gratitude to the earth for all of these understandings and we begin to draw the energy of the earth up drawing up the rest and the restoration, rejuvenation and replenishment that comes from this earth, from our belly to our heart and drawing that up from our heart to our mind. And from our mind, we draw this energy up and out, out through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you in this moment, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos. And we draw this energy all the way up past all the heavenly bodies and the mysteries of our universe, all the way out to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call this energy, by whatever way you understand it, connect with it now and it, let it connect with you and draw this energy down. Drawing down the energy from above, this sky energy, drawing down this golden divine energy into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings. And in this way, we call down the essence energy of blessing into our lives. We call down the energy of protection and devotion and commitment. We call down the energy of generosity and benevolence. We call in the beneficence of this universe and the great wisdom that comes from the cosmos. We call all of this energy in that we might be inspired and illuminated by this energy as it comes down from the sky into our head, from our head to our heart, and our heart to our belly, and we send this energy down all the way to the center of the earth. And in this way, we open ourselves to be this place of the meeting of these two great lovers, 
these lovers of legend, earth and sky, heaven and earth, this place from which all things in form are born, from this great big love between these two. And we ask this big love to awaken the spirit of our hearts, that our hearts can open and be the crucible of change that they are uniquely designed to be, to draw up the fiery passions of the belly and down the crystal clarity of the mind, and to let them be in a heart in a way that destroys neither, but causes them in their dance, in the dynamic tension of their experience together, to give birth to this third most essential thing, our understanding our sense, our memory, our feeling in some way of why we are here. And may you find in that beautiful human heart, with it beating within your chest, the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring your soul's purpose into manifestation, to bring your gifts to the world. And I give great gratitude to the spirits gathered around us to help each one of us to do that very thing, to bring our gifts to the world. And I ask that these spirits help so that what needs to be said is said, what needs to be heard is heard, and that these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. And I give thanks to you, the listeners, who are able to donate to this show financially. If this is the first time you're listening to the show, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported, kind of like Pandora. But it is listener-supported to help pay the bills for all of the many technological things we need to pay for to keep this show alive and on the air. For anyone who can connect with a computer, they can connect to the shows for free. The archives are available in iTunes at whyshamanismnow.com and at the co-creatornetwork.com site. And these are all places the shows are available for you to reach and we give great thanks for those of you who are able to help the financial piece of making that happen. And for those of you that are not able to donate financially, I ask you to do something large or small to help the show to grow, to uh, use the teachings so the teachings grow in the world, but to find a way to make the whole effort here together, to become the people who could write a new story for the new world, to make that real. And so if you're moved by this show in any way, know that you have been moved in the heart and allow your heart to move you, you, yes, you, into action in the world in some way to return that energy, to keep the flow and exchange of energy moving. There are so many, many ways that this can happen. I ask you to be creative, to use what you have to help the energy to continue to move and grow and support the show and the way that it supports so many. So thank you all for helping me with that. We are not live today, but you are welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org if you have questions about today's show. Questions often turn into shows down the road. So thank you for those. So today we are continuing in the series about working with the elements. For those of you that this is a new idea, there is a show about simply working with the elements. I think it's called Why I Work with the Elements. Um, In the archives, you might want to start there. The prior show just recently, last week, is about working with the earth. And today, we're going to focus on working with the air element. And so I need to remind us all, you know, why are we bothering? Well... Because if you look at the thread of similarity in the creation stories of shamanic people around the world, which are, of course, the creation stories of all of our ancestors, 
There isn't a person on this planet that didn't have shamanic ancestors. And their creation story begins in a time before time. And in some sort of place, for lack of a better word, that existed before there was space, before there were places. So we're talking about something that existed outside of the parameters that we even believe of as existence. So it's hard to imagine this time before time, this space before there was space, and this energy that existed, this, this void, this great nothingness. But for some reason that we'll never understand, since we can't understand the nothingness in the first place, for some reason this nothingness dreamt. And from this dream came a spark and a crystal of ice. And they danced together, trying to understand who it is that they were, having just been birthed into the midst of a great nothingness from the great dream. I suspect the dream was a dream of love. But I don't know. I'm just a human. So this spark and this crystal of ice were there in the great vast nothingness. And the fire got all big and fiery. And the ice grew very, very icy. And thus, I'm sorry, the fire grew big and fiery. And the ice that was ice grew very watery. And as the water flowed, it began to put the fire out. But just as the fire was about to go out, the coolness of the diminishing fire caused the water to begin to freeze. And so began this dance of fire and water. And these two great lovers dreamt because, of course, they're born of this original dream. And they dreamt and out of their dreams came the elements, came everything, as everything born of the dream dreams. But what is important to understand about this dance between the fire and the water is how much they need each other for their very existence. That each one's capacity to be in form relies on the other in this beautiful dance that is complementary dualism. That is the great, the great tango of life. And so these are the elements. The elemental energies come from the very, very beginning. The origin of this great dream. That dreamt all experience as we know it. Humans know it. Into form. So these elements are our first and most ancient ancestors. And their energy is very simple and non-human. And why does this matter? It matters because we have a tendency for complexity, for, to complicate things, and to get all bunched up and twisted around in things, to get lost, to collapse, and to feel that there is no way, no way to go on. We get trapped inside of ourselves. And the elements remind us that it can be simple that energies can flow, that we can open what was closed. The elements help us to be simple. And it begins by cultivating our connection between earth and sky, opening up that channel for those two great lovers and allowing that energy to flow within us to remind us we are not simply human, but we are born of these great elemental ancestors in this huge cosmic dance.
And so these elements are essence energies. And as essence energies, the elements offer gifts to us that we can access only through relationship with them. And so these shows, this series of four shows, are, is about how we can begin to enter into an actual relationship with the elemental energies and to work with them to maintain that relationship so that they can flow and move and be in our lives in a way that helps us with our human life. So air is considered to be direct engagement with spirit. And so in breathing in, we draw in spirit into the body. And the shamans actually cultivate this as they go through their own ego death and cleansing and effort to empty themselves of their, the trials and tribulations of their little human life. They seek to open themselves to be able to, to breathe the actual breath of spirit, the breath of life. In other words, to breathe the breath of these ancient ancestors through them into a person, into a situation to restore that original dream and that original breath of life. And so they, this is... Um, directly experienced in uh, traditional shamanic healing forms when the shaman is blowing things on you, whether they're blowing smoke of, um, of a tobacco or some other plant, whether they're blowing alcohol, or I've seen shamans chew up different spices and, and mix them in their mouth with the alcohol and blow the spice energy into the person. They can blow flower essence energies, many, many different things. But the idea is that that breath of life and then whatever is added to it infuses the person's life force, renewing it uh, with the energies that are being literally breathed or blown into the person. So air is an elemental energy or power, and it's used um, in shamanic healing in its physical, actual air form, as well as its energetic form, meaning the energy of air that we encounter when we're in a journey space or some sort of shamanic trance space. So air is most commonly engaged in ritual and ceremony by speaking. And so, to, to, to make this point directly, before I do these shows, I open the fire and the water shrines in my home. I open and engage with the ancestral shrine in my home, and I engage with my initiatory helping spirit. Because each of these shows, because they are spoken, is, has the possibility of being an air ritual. And then the technology carries that energy out around the globe. And so this is my hope, my prayer, my, my asking prior to each show beginning. Because I know I'm going to be speaking here for an hour to ask that what needs to be said be said. That, that the words get used in a way that could be sacred. And some shows are better than others, granted. But this is the point to understand again this thing we take so utterly for granted, which is the talking, the speaking, in and of itself is our most common engagement 
with air. And that the way that we speak, how we speak, how we tend the essence energies with our words, this can be a way that we engage the elemental energies in our life. That, that how we choose to speak, when, why, what, we, all of that around the spoken word could be considered sacred, could be understood as the most common way that we engage in ritual and ceremony. So air then in ritual and ceremony is the energetic driver in uh, the, the act, the sacred act of speaking a vow, for example, which we, most of us see in weddings or physicians speak vows. Um, Often as we enter into some kind of particular service, there is a particular vow that we speak. What is interesting is how little people seem to care about the vows that they speak these days. But it, it comes from our lack of understanding, um, our utter lack of understanding that we are always and forever in relationship with these elemental energies. So what quality of relationship do you want to have with your most ancient and sacred ancestors? One of dismissal right people people make vows in marriage in professions that they then utterly disregard down the road another act of ritual or ceremony using the air is telling a teaching story in a sacred way and so there's a show in the archives with jeff stockton talking about this he's an award-winning storyteller talking about the power of story and what can happen when we tell stories in a sacred way, and particularly when we tell teaching stories. And we've seen what's happened in the American culture when we allow the media to tell the stories. We allow Hollywood to tell the stories. We allow um, entities with ulterior motives other than the teaching of a human to be a better human. We allow these entities with ulterior motives to tell stories and it, it is a sacred act. And because the stories are being told for the wrong reasons or inappropriate reasons and that in a sense the wrong stories are being told, humanity's crumbling because we can't remember how to do it. And this is what the stories teach us. So we follow these crap stories spoken to us by crap storytellers and we live crappy lives. So that's why it's so important to reclaim not only the power of the storyteller in your own life, but to reclaim the stories themselves and ultimately to understand that this is part of our sacred relationship with air. So the other one of the ways that I use the air rituals right in the beginning, first year, first part of the first year in the cycle teachings and Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self, which by the way is starting in August. There is time for you to register. But right in the beginning, that entire week is to get us to a place where we can have an air ritual at dawn to reawaken our authentic self and to speak a vow that renews our commitment to this aspect of ourself. So this not only reawakens our authenticity, 
but it renews and repairs the commitment to that authenticity that we have largely set asunder in our efforts to survive in contemporary life. And so this is the power of air. We take it perhaps most for granted of all of the elements. And yet the, the, the disuse of it or the misuse of our relationship with air is perhaps one of the most damaging things that we're doing culturally. So this is why it really matters for those of us that are engaging in ritual and ceremony in our lives, be they shamanic or pagan or Wiccan or whatever they are. But for those of us who do choose to engage in ritual and ceremony, this is why it really matters whether or not you mumble in your ceremony or step up and speak and that you learn to speak in a way that doesn't ramble and run on and or speak in a way that puffs up your chest and makes you important but you learn to speak in a way that engages the beauty and the power of these elemental energies around us and to do that we need to step up and speak and so this is actually why the first show I did around the elements was the earth element so you could begin thinking about what does it mean to ground yourself and take a stand to know where you stand if I don't know where I stand it's pretty hard for me to step up if I can't step up I can't speak so these these things all are in a constant moving exchange of energy type of relationship with us but if we can't grasp that kind of complementary dualism and we can only see dualism as this aggression and this, this polarity of which the two sides will never speak, then, then we are going to fail in our rebirth of a healthy relationship with our elemental energies. So the role of the element air in shamanic healing rituals is literally – to breathe life into something like a dream or a vision or your authentic self or to inspire creativity, illumination and to inspire new – new. it's all about the visionary energy whether it's clear seeing internally, far seeing, um, seeing holistically all the different ways of envisioning things and in envisioning into the different realms of life and so this is our relationship with air – is about supporting that. So my guess would be if you have a really crappy relationship with your own capacity for vision. I have so many people that say, you have to remember, I can't, I have no imagination. I can't visualize things. Well, frankly, if you have a brain, you are capable of imagination and visualizing things. Period. I mean, if you have a brain, it can do that. That you don't do that because you haven't practiced that has a, another way to fix that then is to look at your relationship with air. So if you have a crappy relationship with vision and visioning and your imagination and your creativity, you probably have a crappy relationship with air. But, you know, frankly, most contemporary people do, which is sort of my point. So moving right along, how do we change that? Okay. So the inner traditionally – the energy of air can be invoked in journeys for healing. For example, breathing life into a dead or dying soul part or um, filling um, an energy body. If you're doing an energy body healing, filling it with that breath of life 
Um, it can also in some ways restore um, the, the capacity for inspiration, meaning to, to, to take in that breath of life can kind of kickstart a person's inspiration, the breathing in, which then is a metaphor or a way to then move the energy in a person's life around creative inspiration. You know, if you can't breathe in, you can't inspire, you can't be inspired. Okay. So the shamans of many cultures utilize the energy of the air directly from specific sites by conducting their healing rituals or ceremonies in certain locations. For example, a vast wide open meadow at dawn or a mountaintop. It doesn't actually have to be a mountaintop. It can actually be any place that offers a vista, a view of everyday life that is um, not ordinary. So not the common view. So to get up above something and to see it from a different perspective. Um, And so anywhere that offers this open sky or a view that inspires um, one morning here at the end of a retreat, we had had this just fierce wind, you know, freezing wind, frankly, the whole time. Well, I know some, some of you live in places where that's normal. You get that all winter, but we don't. And so we really couldn't go outside much in the retreat because it was just too excruciatingly painful. But what that did do is it cleared the air. And so in the morning, we, we were called by spirit to go to do an air ritual and we were able to go up in the morning to a park here in Portland that gives you a vantage point to see around like 360 degrees and to view from this place the many different massive volcanic mountains that are are spread around this area in this part of the rim of fire and then, and we went up there pre-dawn, so we were able to be up in this this crystal clear freezing air as the sun is rising at that time of year, in a sense, in a way that backlit Mount Hood, which is the most pronounced volcanic peak here in Portland, given the fact that Mount St. Helens blew its head off. So this beautiful peak you know, symbolizing this this journey that we are all on, the sun rising and a new day behind it, this crystal clear air. And there we are, you know, singing these songs of gratitude, of awakening, and in beginning to engage air in this very powerful ritual that was going to help us to envision an entire different way of living as we dismantle our false selves. So my point is, The location can be used to inspire and to work with air. And this shamans do this all over the world. I mean, why do you all fly off to Peru and hike up the Andes if it is not to engage with the element of air? It's the mountain spirits, yes. But it's also about what happens to us when we get up and can view things differently and are in a different kind of air, a different way of being in the world. So shamans also retreat to these sites on their own to restore their own capacity for vision and their own connection with spirit guidance. Um, So the air then relates to your mind elementally, right? The earth relates to your body, but the air relates to your mind elementally and the whole cultivation of your mental body 
your mental wisdom. So air can be tricky because air is already in an excited state. I mean, physically, air is in an excited state because it's a gas. You know, air is made up of gases, different gases um, that are um, already energized to the degree that they're airborne, right? They're molecule, you know, a gas, gas is molecules of a certain substance airborne. Now, the tricky part of that is that at that level of energy that keeps molecules airborne in a gaseous state, things are pretty excited. And so there's lots of banging around. The molecules do lots of banging around into each other, but they don't necessarily come together in a way that creates something new. So it's why excess air goes so quickly into a lot of great ideas, but nothing actually happening. Right now, so brainstorming can be valuable because we we pull up a lot of great ideas, but the issue is what do we focus on? How do we then rein that in and begin to focus other aspects of the mind in shaping and honing what vision are we going to focus on and how are we going to manifest it, right? And so the important thing to understand about air and the mind is that if it gets – it's already excited. So if it gets too excited, it's useless, Nothing new gets created. It's just a bunch of frantic molecules bouncing around off each other. And so with the understanding of that, you can understand that people that tend towards anxiety, tend towards having their energy up in their heads, tend towards headaches, migraines, and a kind of overactivity in the mind are not in right relationship with the air element. That air is in excess. And so it's another reason that I started out talking about the earth because what we desire in life, if we're in right relationship with earth and right relationship with the air, then we are able to ground that air energy just enough to keep things from getting overexcited so that they stay excited in its true nature of air. So that we have new ideas, new creativity, inspiration, illumination, all of that stuff. But we have that in a way that can be useful in our life. Because otherwise, it becomes a stress and an anxiety to just be constantly spinning in our heads. And it's a very, very common contemporary ailment that we are, Americans largely are creating their own problems by being caught up in their heads and their own creation of their own anxiety. Welcome to America. Okay. And most of the Western world. So in transformation, then, we're looking at air as the visionary element. And that, so this is the energy or the element that we would go to for change and transformation in our dreams, in our visions, in our stories, and in the way that we align our thoughts, either with our thoughts either higher with our higher ideas and values and make sure our thoughts in other words, the stories we tell ourselves, our thoughts are aligned with our values and beliefs. But it, it, we would also go to the air for the alignment in the other direction, which would be aligning our thoughts um, to our speech and to our actions. And this ties back into the show that I just did on spiritual integrity and how much of integrity is actually about that alignment. 
Okay, so there's two ways to understand how we work with the air element. So one is working with it elementally and how the air relates to our mind. And so in other words, looking at the parallel between our relationships with air and our relationships in our mind. And so think about um, how we experience air on our skin, in our nostrils, filling our lungs. Our relationship with air is very much like Goldilocks. You know, we want the air to be not too cold, not too hot, not too humid. Not, we want the wind to not be too strong, but not be too still. We want the air to not be polluted, but not be too thin, like in an airplane. <laughs> but we also don't want the air to be suffocating, right? So we're, we're very Goldilocks when it comes to the air element. So air and, and the, the mastery of your relationship with air. So what air is, in other words, what air is trying to teach us is how to show up exactly as is needed in the moment without excess or scarcity, you know, that's the Goldilocks piece. You know, how do we show up exactly as needed? How are we the porridge that is just right? So that's one aspect of working with air elementally is to notice when we are in excess, when we are in scarcity, the ways that we are in excess, the ways we are in scarcity and exploring how to change that calibration. So the second way of working with air is working with the air, not so much in that elemental sense, but in its role in transformation as the visionary. So in the transformational process, air is the visionary showing us how to engage the power of our vision through the clarity of our heart. No, not the clarity of the mind, but the clarity of the heart and the perception and insight to see doubt for what it is, and to step over it. So this is the piece of the visionary piece with air, is that ability to clear our heart, you know, no suffocation and stagnation in the heart, but to clear our heart. We clear our heart largely with the truth, no matter the source, no matter whether or not we like the truth, no matter the ramifications of the truth on our life. So we clear the heart with the truth. And so the air element has a lot to do with our relationship with truth as well. So air has got a lot to do with our life, the clarity of our heart, our ability to see our vision, the power of vision itself in our life, but also our ability to honestly see what is simply doubt, ways in which we collapse out of the vision, and to step over the doubt, to not make the doubt into a mountain when it is just a molehill. So this whole thing then begs this question of what is true clarity in the heart and what do we do with it? How do we get it? So clarity of the heart requires a healthy relationship with doubt, which requires at the most superficial level, understanding the distinct difference between doubt and critical thinking. This is really important because in the contemporary world, these two things masquerade. Critical thinking masquerades a great deal, is, is the masquerade for doubt. It's the, it's the costume for doubt. Critical thinking is valuable. Doubt, on the other hand, is actually paralyzing. And it takes us out of the knees. It moves our mind into hopeless places where we begin to fixate entirely and only on what is not working. You know, exclusively and entirely, we lose our connection to our guiding dream or our guiding vision, right? This is, this is 
often what happens in long-term relationships. We begin to collapse in and focus down on what is not working and we utterly lose our relationship with the, the bigger vision of why we have come together, be that intimately or, or um, politically or in, in the world, in the work world. So in contrast then, critical thinking actually brings our, our, our mind into an open place where because it's thinking critically, it also opens it to curiosity and discovery. And so through, through actual critical thinking, not doubt, but critical thinking, we're open and we move. And if we follow the lead of the critical thinking, it will most likely bring us to a greater clarity by ferreting out what might be fantasy or delusion in the vision in the first place. So critical thinking is actually an ally to vision. Critical thinking can help to refine the vision. So we get to a point where we find what truly makes our heart sing. And when our heart is singing, critical thinking just goes, ah, great, I can sit back now and have a margarita. You know, I've done my job. That what brings out critical thinking is that intuitive feeling something is false, either because we're fooling ourselves in illusion or we're starting to run off in a great fantasy that is ultimately going to be a big nightmare in life. So when our heart is singing, the critic is happy, the job is well done on the critic's part, and we are in good relationship with the air element in our life. So we go to the air to help us to cultivate qualities of truth-telling, the kind of truth-telling that is required for us to really tap into our uniqueness. And we go to the air for clarity and critical thinking. Which the kind of critical thinking, again, that is not actually doubt in disguise, but is the kind of critical thinking that is inspired by our intuition, something is false, which leads us on a path of refining, of clarifying, which, which brings up or um, enthuses the energies of hope and excitement for the vision itself. I mean, a really good vision, a true vision that is truly making our hearts sing will really be refined and made stronger and totally stand up to lots of critical thinking. The, the issue is, of course, the, the, the mental way that we disguise what is simply doubt. And doubt is really just fear, but the way we disguise doubt as critical thinking. And actually, a person who does a really good job exposing this dynamic is um, Charles Eisenstein, really showing the distinction between a thinking process that is going to refine our vision, you know, the more, more beautiful world our heart believes is possible or our heart knows is possible, versus the kind of doubt that simply collapses us and takes us back to this hopeless place. And that is fear-based. Doubt is fear-based thinking. Doubt is always fear-based thinking. It's the clear heart collapsing in on itself into doubt. So the other um, reason that we go to air then is if we need help changing a story and le or learning to engage a true storyteller in our life. We've talked in many shows about um, stealing back the storyteller from wherever you've allowed it to be kidnapped 
and bringing that energy back and really taking over being the storyteller in your life. And for most of us, the real storyteller in our life is the child that is still carrying all the wounds and unresolved issues of our childhood. And that's who's really telling the story and that's why our life keeps repeating the same patterns over and over and over again or healing through this very minute incremental changes. That's not what air is about. You know, air's air's great power is the power to dismantle, to just blow something to pieces in an instant and leave you there to discover what is true. You know, what is the true story here? Or more importantly, what is the story I want to tell with my life? At the end of my life, as people are talking about what my life stood for for them, what stories do I want to hear those people telling? It's the most powerful thing I have in ancestral healing to tell these dead people that I happen to know for a fact that their legacy is child abuse. Are they happy with that? It didn't usually start as child abuse. It started as something else. And most people are actually happy to have an opportunity to restore integrity to their legacy. This is about the power of storyteller and, and the ability to let your mind work in this kind of understanding versus having your mind operate in this um, world that is being driving you to consume and using all that we understand about psychology to encourage you to continue consuming. I know that seems overly simplified, but think about it critically. How overly simplified is it? So, the air. We go to the air for inspiration and illumination, innovation and creativity. These are the real essence energies that we gain from air. We also go to the air. If we are looking for help with energies like hope, like um, the rebirth of a dream, for example. Let's say you've had a nasty, nasty, awful divorce or perhaps something even worse, the utter sudden accidental death of a partner you've been sharing a life dream with. Sudden and unexpected, utter and complete devastation. How do you breathe hope back into the dream, the new version of the dream that you'll live now? The old one's dead. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't just go find some other man or other woman to fill that place. You have to let the dream go and breathe life and hope into a new one. How do you do that? This is what we go to the air for, to understand how we do things like that in life because life demands that of us how do you go on without destroying your partner when your child has died this is air this is the magic of working with air being in good relationship with air so air is all about our dreams and how we dream and our visions and our our visioning of things So most important is to understand that the relationship between stagnation and suffocation in your life. So what is dead? What is stagnant in a relationship? Or being in a job that is suffocating you? 
or perhaps even trying to live a life dream that is suffocating you. I can't tell you how many people I knew in New York who were actually suffocating themselves by pursuing the dream of being an actor or even a dancer for that matter. You know, pursuing these dreams uh, in a sense for the wrong reasons and actually suffocating themselves in the very act of thinking they were in creative expression. It's, it's, um, it all comes because we're not in such good relationship with air. We're not listening to what air is trying to tell us. So we have to understand then the relationship between stagnation and suffocation and the way that that manifests in our life in living in something that is dead, right? I have been with people that have told me they knew the relationship was dead when they walked down the aisle to take the vow. I mean, talk about messed up relationship with air. So anyway, the important thing is understanding this, the relationship between stagnation and suffocation and the truth, speaking the truth, at least your truth, and listening to the truth of others, and then taking actions that are based on the truth. So in Taoism, the truth is seen like a sword. It's a blade, you know, the kind of blade that has... um, That's sharp on both sides. Truth cuts both ways. But the point of the blade is the blade is seen as this absolute blessing as it slices through and opens the stagnation, allowing fresh air in and the suffocation. So that truth is that stroke, that clean blade that allows in the new air to free the stagnation and the suffocation. And the the thing about, I mean, you know from your body, if you scrape yourself or have a nasty torn cut, it doesn't heal well. But a clean cut, a clean sword stroke, I mean, assuming it doesn't cut off your whole head, but that clean cut heals easily. And it allows out the poison, the stagnation, the suffocation. And so this is the understanding about the relationship between stagnation and suffocation in our life and how we allow that because we are afraid to speak the truth. We are afraid to even acknowledge our own truth in our own heart. And so air, our relationship with air is also about our relationship with our voice and our capacity, our willingness to speak the truth. So our actions, the important thing then to understand in terms of our actions is our actions show us the stories about reality that are actually running in our mind. In other words, our actions show us what our true beliefs are. We're always acting out of our deepest, oldest beliefs until we clear them. So it requires a healthy relationship with air. And the qualities that we cultivate through air, those qualities of truth-telling, clear thinking, critical thinking, inspiration, illumination, hope, all those qualities. So it's these qualities and this healthy relationship with air that allow us to have the clarity to see what is actually running in our mind. It gives us the hope and creativity to create a new story. And then the belief also that a new vision is possible and and so it's worth mobilizing our resources towards that new thing. And all of this is fundamental to allowing ourselves to heal. So 
what can working with the air look like? Well, I, I always chuckle about this question because I get asked it a lot because we're so confused about air. But what was interesting is when we were told by Spirit to create Last Mass Community, which is the community of students who are gathered around living the cycle teachings, but also keeping the cycle teachings alive um, through the retreats, that when we first began, that the elemental energies told us as a community, you are utterly and excessively overbalanced in air and you are weak in earth. And um, so we were asked to balance that out. And, that, and this was actually one of the most effective things that we did. But what's important to understand in the process of that is that an air shrine – so we opened up the shrines to work with the elements. And so an air shrine can be as simple as a crystal hanging from a balcony in Manhattan, right, in the middle of the urban everything, right? It can also be as elaborate – as power objects and prayer flags and blessings being hung and and worked through a living tree somewhere. The possibilities for creating an air shrine to begin to work with the air are endless. Air shrines and so and my point is an air shrine can opening up an air shrine can be the beginning of your ability to remember that air is an element. And enter into relationship with it. Because as I said in the beginning, we tend to be completely unconscious in our relationship with air. Take it utterly for granted. Complete entitlement. Right? So you can create air shrines indoors or outdoors. They can be utterly natural. Like just a tree you've decided is going to is willing to work with you to be your air shrine. Or they can be created. I've seen some beautiful air shrines created out of chimes and flags and, you know, a sculpture basically. An inter- a, a sculpture that is interactive with the air um, often makes incredibly beautiful air shrines. Now, what if that's too much? You're listening to the show for the first time and you're going, man, what is this woman talking about? This is way too much. What is she talking about? Shrines. So sing. Singing songs, speaking blessings, offering prayers. These are all ways we engage the air and begin to create this sacred relationship in our day. When people speak their written words in an open mic, those that really capture us are people that, have, that are working with air, that, that they're succeeding in turning that open mic moment that they have there into an air ritual to speak a vow at your altar in the morning or to sing each morning to your air shrine even if it's a tiny little crystal hanging on your balcony that these are ways to begin to engage the air in relationship No, vision questing is a huge way to engage the air big open space a big vista you can go climb mountains and begin where you literally have a new vision or perspective on things, that all of these things can be done very simply or very big. Offerings can be anything for the air, from the scent of plants that are aromatic when they burn, like sage or um, other, other such plants, but they can also be the aromas from essential oils. But the simplest Air ritual, actually air ceremony, would be to create a one-line intention for the vision of your life and to speak that each morning. 
repeatedly for a few minutes, focusing your mind and your heart on the vision that that intention describes. So it's not just about repeating dogmatically an intention over and over and over again for three minutes. It's about repeating the intention as your mind and your heart move through the words of the intention into the air and into the vision the intention is actually going to create and being in it, in the reality of that experience. So the thing about the elements is they all have a crazy woman. They all have a place of being, a way of expressing themselves that defies the logic of that element. And so for the air, it's the tornado, that self-organized moment when the air molecules become the destructive force of the tornado, the tornado that dismantles. And so what does destruction like that in your life mean? Um, There are many things I've heard people say, such and such came through my life like a tornado. What does that mean when we say that? Well, it most likely means that there has been a a preponderance of stagnation or suffocation in your life and that your life, in spite of you, needed a breath of fresh air. It needed a new dawn. Maybe it needed a new view on a horizon unencumbered by your sense of limitations and expectations. So when the air element tornadoes through your life, it's about aligning the little dream you're living with the big dream, that original dream. It's about aligning the story you tell yourself with the life that you can, that you can live that dream. It's about aligning your list for the day with the story that's going to make your heart sing. It's about having the courage to choose for that heart song moment by moment. So I was going to share a little air ritual with you, but I've run out of time. (laughs) But at the very least, it's important to remember that blessing is in the innate energy available to all of us from the sky. It is in the energy of the air. So the simplest, actually, an even simpler ritual that you could do would simply to begin to bless your day. Take a moment and bless the day and give thanks. Take a moment, bless your children. Take a moment and ask for blessing on your home. Acknowledge the blessing of that sacred spark of life that burns within you every day and dare to have the courage to dream the dream your soul came into this life to give to the world. So I want to thank the elemental energies, these first and most ancient ancestors. I give thanks to the earth below, the sky above, and all the ancestors that are gathered round, and to the heart that unites it all. So next week, we'll explore the next element in our four element series. We will uh, explore the fire. And for those of you that would like to explore the fire more deeply, I want to remind you that Massive Illusion and the Authentic Self is happening August 20th through 25th here outside of Portland. And this is the entry into the cycle teachings. And so if you're a longtime listener to Why Shamanism Now, what are you waiting for? (laughs) This is where all the shows have come from. 
It also allows you to enter into the community of students who share this um, pioneering shamanic way of being in the world with me. Uh, so please join us. So I'd like to give thanks to you all for your explorations of the air. Remember to bless your day. Call the air into your life. And when in doubt, sing. Have a great week. <laughs>